Welcome to the Dream Centre Manchester, where we trust the ministry of Pastor Tony Higginson and the team will challenge and inspire you to become the move and be the demonstration. We warmly invite you each Sunday morning to join us for our family service, but for more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at thedreamcentre.co.uk. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 31. So don't worry. So don't worry. So don't worry. So when the Bible tells us not to worry, there's a reason why it's telling us not to worry. Something is about to happen. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after... All these things. For the pagans run after all these things, but not you. So the pagans run after all these things. For the pagans run after all these things. I keep, I keep emphasizing this, as I have been doing for a while now. But seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things and all these things. It's the things that always mess us up. And all these things will be given unto us as well. As well. Additional. Therefore, do do not worry. So it's twice he's told us not to worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Because as we've already realized many times, tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And tomorrow will take care of of itself. But you must take care of you. By taking care of you, you will take care of your tomorrow. But tomorrow won't take care of you. But if you take care of you, then you'll take care of tomorrow. Amen? Amen. So when Jesus speaks this, the first thing we see is that he gives us what we call the law of the first. And when we see the law of the first, that means it's the primary emphasis. It's the most important. It's the critical. It's the significant thing that Jesus is emphasizing to us at that specific moment. So the law of the first, that means it's primary. It's above all other things. And this is the one thing, this is the one thing that gets so many believers in a mess when they seek after the wrong things. Hello? You may be in debt. You may be in great turmoil. Because you don't have enough resources to keep the life at the level you've been living. There's a little window into what you've been chasing. And how you've been using your resources to get the things that you want. These are just little windows that highlight where our life or what our life has been chasing. And the direction that the things are taking us in. And the paths they take us down. And the heartache and anguish that they breed within us. This is so important that it's not just about the things. It's about the kingdom and its righteousness. You can have all the things and have no kingdom. And you can have, you can be in the kingdom and still not be righteous. So it's the kingdom and its righteousness. Because kingdom and righteousness are inseparable. They go together. They are one. They're joined. 
So you can't say I'm a kingdom believer, but be unrighteous in your behavior. The two contradict each other. You have to be a righteous kingdom person. The kingdom lives and thrives on righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? So this message that Jesus gives to us is a defining factor in the church today. So many churches, or so many people in churches, are highly in debt. Lonnie, Pastor Lonnie does a lot of financial seminars. And he'll tell you the other stories that he hears from churches that have gone in debt and believers who have got themselves in debt. Because they've chased after the wrong things. The perceptions, they want to be like everybody else. They want to, they want to live that life like everybody else. You can't live that life if you're not earning that money. People drive cars they can't afford to impress people they don't know. It's stupid. It's absolutely ludicrous. And you may see somebody driving a nice Beamer or a nice, whatever your version of nice car is. But always ask yourself, is it paid for? It's not what they're driving, it's what's driving you. It's not what we drive. I have my little car out there, it's called Humble. I drive it not because I can't afford another one, but I like to see people's faces when they get in it. My little car starts. You've never seen me doing that. She starts. I, I asked, Lord, Lord, can you send me a Hummer? And he sent me this little Volkswagen, and he said, call it humble instead. I'm not spending thousands on a piece of metal. I'm seriously, I'm not going to do it. If you see me drive up in a nice flashy car, someone's bought it me. It's not I ain't got the money to go and buy one. I don't need one. That's me personally. If you've got a nice car, I'm not saying it's wrong. That's just me. I like my little humble. My grandfather gave me, I had a nice car. The engine went on it. I was going to buy, buy a new one. And he said, here, have this one. And I thought, cool, no problem. I didn't think, what will the people think? I don't care what the people think. It's my little humble. She speaks to me every morning. She says, I'll get you there. No worries. It might be a long trip, but we'll get you there. God does not want us living in the pagan rat race. It's an endless cycle. It's a vicious cycle that's taken us nowhere other to the place called destruction and despair. And we have to be very, very serious about what Jesus is emphasizing. Because it's the law of first. He's making this a priority. And very often we get ourselves in so much trouble and we're praying and God's not answering prayers because we are disobeying the law of first. The pagan believer is someone who has a belief but it's not the predominant belief system. So you can be in this house, you can be a believer but not plug into the predominant belief. You can have your own theories, you can have your own belief, you can have your own ideas and you can have your own opinions. And it can drift away from the center of who we really are. Your opinions can get you in trouble. Especially when they don't line up to what God says. We've all done that. We've all gone down that road from time to time. This is why the mirror must be the word. 
Because it's reflecting an image, a nature, and a likeness. When we look into God's word, behind that word, there is a person. And the more we look into that person, we see his nature, his image, and his likeness. It's a person. It's not just black and white or red and black. It's a real person that we are meant to reflect. God's word in you is the same word that's in God. So therefore, you become like God. You don't become God, you become like him. My children are like me in some aspects. That's good and bad and indifferent. Don't ask his wife, don't ask his mum. But all the good parts are me. <laughs> Amen, absolutely. So in this, in this context, there was, in, you know, Jesus was surrounded by different believers. There was the Jews, there was the Gentiles, there was the Stoics, there was the philosophers. There was all kinds of people. And Jesus cuts right through the middle and says... The most important thing is if you're going to be like them, you're only going to go into turmoil and chaos. This is not the pattern my father has for his children. The pattern my father has, now listen to this now. God wants the opportunity, Chris, to be a father to you. He wants that opportunity and he says, look, son, I know you have needs. The pagans have needs, you have needs. Why? Because the needs come into man. But there are two ways of going about these needs. Now, they go about these needs and have no father over their lives. But I want to be your father, so will you trust me, put the kingdom first, seek me first, it's righteousness, and I have a way of astounding you of how I can deliver what you really need. But it's going to cause a father and son relationship. Or a daughter and father relationship. I'm going to show you what a great father I am. But I'm going to show you so, I'm going to show you so much so, but I'm going to tell you, not that way, not that way, not that way, and not that way. Why? It's that way. Now let's get some balance and let's get some context. Does that mean I never have to work? Absolutely not. The man who doesn't work doesn't eat. So the needs that you have, there are principles in scripture about how you and I must go about to getting our needs met. You cannot violate, ignore, and deny these principles because these principles have been written and been settled in the heavens before time. God's run the diagnostics, he's run the algorithms, and whichever way it comes out, if you don't work by these principles, you lose. Every possible scenario you can think of, God's run it through the system before it ever came on the earth. And he knows this, there's a path, there's a broad path that leads to destruction. Why? Because he's run the algorithm. He knows the same outcome comes, all, uh, always eventually comes the same outcome every time. But narrow is the path that leads to Life, okay, so we know there's a broad way of doing life and there's a narrow way of doing life, but there are principles that we must stand and operate by. So we're going to stand up and step in, stand upon, stay in. How? We do that by principles. It's so important that we understand this. And if you look across the church, any given church, you can see a number of people taking care of their own needs. In different ways. There's a righteous way and there's an unrighteous way. There's a godly way, there's an ungodly way. 
Oh yeah, Christians can be some of the most trickery people you'll ever deal with. And some of the most beautiful people you'll ever meet. We must not get caught up in the rat race. But just like the game of Monopoly, there are second chances. There are get out of jail cards. And when you live by the promises and, and the patterns of God and the principles of God, you do get second chances. You get an opportunity to change your life. You get an opportunity to step off that broad path and get on the narrow path. You have the opportunity to find forgiveness, acceptance, love. Because this is how God works. His principles, his promises are for us. Amen? We all have human needs, is that true? Even today, some of you may go and take care of your human needs. I have a human need to be fed. So this afternoon, after we finish, we'll make a journey next door, and some of us will get fed. Some of you may need to go and do other things. So there's a, there's a natural way of doing things, but there is a God way of doing things. You don't have to be spiritual when you're eating. Just close your mouth and don't lick your lips. If you make a noise, you get a slap. There is a protocol to how to, how to eat at the table, but there's nothing spiritual about putting food in your mouth. There may be something spiritual about how much food you put in your mouth. But there's nothing spiritual about putting food in your mouth unless you pray. Lord, I don't like carrots. Help help me swallow these things. (laughs) The law of the first is a very, very unique pattern. It cuts across every faith every worldly structure, every government, every economist, it cuts right through them because it rises above the worldly system. It's first. And because it's first, it's above. It's foremost. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. The kingdom of God is in you and it's in Christ. Amen? Amen. And this kingdom, how many of you know you all have, to some level, the difference between need and lack? These words are interchangeable, but they're also very, very individual. And we've been looking at this whole teaching on need and lack, the difference, and how they manifest in our lives. We all have human needs, but we also have lack and we've tried to come at this from different angles over our, our, our time because many of us live with lack and you confuse it for need and many of you struggle in the area of need when really your problem is your lack and God will not let me off this this subject because when God began to speak to me, he said, this is a wisdom key for this house. I want my people to understand the difference by, uh, and understand the difference between need and lack. They are two very different things, but they're also very interchangeable. So we all have, to some degree, we have emotional, we have relational, we have psychological, we have financial need. True? We also, 
Each within us has a measure of lack. We have spiritual needs, but we also have emotional, psychological, physiological, biological lack. Get those two confused, and your prayer will then reflect your confusion. I know there, are, there is lack on the inside of me, but I'm not always aware in what area. And I have to, and since I've started talking about this, I'm, I'm now beginning to ask the Holy Spirit to show me the areas in my life where I lack. So that the Lord can minister to me in those areas and show me what it is and why I lack in that area. Because God is all sufficient. I'm not, but I'm drawing from a God who is all sufficient. I'm drawing from a bank account that is all sufficient. But in my flesh, I lack. But in my life and ministry, we have many needs. So needs can be... Let me define it like this. Needs very often can appear and manifest on the external. Where lack can be silent, it can be invisible, and it can be internal. So when you try to get your internal lack met by external things, the external things will never deal with the internal lack. It's not an internal need, it's a lack. Because you can learn to live without certain needs. You learn to adapt. But you never adapt when there's lack. Because it's always there. You carry it with you. Through time and through generation. I had emotional lack regarding a father and a son. Carried it for years. Didn't know. Until the Holy Spirit began to speak to me in the area. And then brought circumstances where my father walked into the church. And in front of everybody, an unbelieving father walks into the church and declares in front of the whole church, Son, I'm proud of you. What do you do with that? It's like, lousy timing. But it was actually the right time. Because there was something in my heart that needed affirmation. And validation. And here he comes and brings it at a time that I wasn't expecting it. But God knew, son, you have this lack. And you'll carry it through your life forever. And it'll manifest in your own family if you don't let me deal with it today. Because there's a day when lack has to be dealt with. And God chooses the circumstance. And it's not always nice. It's not always pretty. It's not always initially welcomed or seen or seized. But when it comes... Boy, can it be liberating. And because of that, in that, I'm just giving you one area. Just one area of how emotional, not just emotional, the internal lack. It could be the way you think. It could be the way you feel about how you think. It could be what someone said, what someone did. What someone didn't do, should have done, promised to do. And it's left its mark upon your soul. These things happen. We're not denying that they don't happen, but we have to deal with what's happened. 
Amen? You see, your physical needs are often determined by your perception. We dealt with this whole thing of perception, do you remember? We did two weeks on the power of perception in regards to this. Today, because my perception then releases emotions. And then it's how I feel about what I think and see. And we saw the woman at the well. The woman at the well had lacked inside her. She had five husbands, previous husbands. And the one that she's got now is not a husband. This woman had relational lack. But all the time, she's trying to deal with her perception of Jesus' need. But Jesus didn't have a need. Well, of course he has. He's got nothing to draw water from. That wasn't a need because he said, out of me will flow living water. The water that's in me will flow out of you. Jesus didn't have a need, but he used the story of the well to reveal her lack. And very often in an encounter with Jesus Christ, it's an encounter with God that reveals to you the lack inside. But all the time, this woman was focused on the need. And the moment she had the lack internally fixed, she ran and told everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. And her heart was exposed and she was so joyous that this guy's bang on the knocker. He's hit the button that she goes and tells everybody. And the whole town comes out and they say, we believe not because you told us. Because now we've seen it for ourselves. So this one lady was the key to open up the whole region. So you can deal with one person's lack. You can open up a whole region. If God can deal with your lack in one area... That can be the door that's going to open up a whole region. But she's focused about this bucket and him not having his needs. Can you give me a drink of water? He never needed a drink of water. He just used it to get the dialogue going. And once the dialogue was going, little by little, he was pulling this woman out. He was drawing her. And then all of a sudden, that famous question, go and get your husband. Right question, right time, right day. Getting the right result with the right people in the right place. At the right time. So what will God speak to you today about this whole issue of your lack of need? I have needs, yes. But it's often your lack that delays God. From releasing your need. It's often your lack. That God. That delays God. From releasing your need. I asked you church a couple of weeks ago. I said how many of you are honest with me. Have been praying and not seen answers to your prayer. And a good majority of people put their hand up and said. Yes pastor it's me. Could it be. Could it be. That we've been asking in vain. Could it be that we've been pursuing the wrong... Now, listen, God's merciful. God will have a way of leading us to the real issue. But if we refuse to let God speak to us in those areas, we'll just keep praying, Lord, I need a car. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, I need this. And your Heavenly Father knows you need this. But the kingdom and its righteousness will not be ignored. It will not be ignored. I have to bring you back to the first all the time. 
because the internal need is to set you free so that you can move towards the kingdom and its righteousness. Rather than flesh and blood. Everything cannot be um, reduced to flesh and blood. Though the word has to become flesh and dwell amongst us, your issues cannot always come down to flesh and blood. The kingdom is not just flesh and blood. It's spiritual. It's eternal. As much as it be- it's, it's residing in flesh and blood. But flesh and blood will fade away. But the kingdom doesn't. So, we have to see there is an internal work that needs to be done. And I, you know, I'm not just being uh, predictive here or prophetic. You know, after a while, when you work with people, you learn to observe people patterns. Now, this is not the rule of thumb because we need to hear what God is saying. But I've seen you before in another decade, in another generation. Why? Because people operate by patterns to some degree. Now, I couldn't sit down and deal with somebody based on a pattern I've seen, but it's enough to get my attention. You always have to deal with a person as an individual because we can be wrong. So, but I've learned to cut a lot of the time down and say, and I love to sit in the mall and I love to have coffee and I love to watch people walk by. And you can, you can learn a lot from a walk. You can see people's anguish on their faces. You can see the happy shopper, the sad shopper, the mad shopper, the glad shopper. All those are out there. And that's why Jesus walked amongst the crowd and he could see the distressed. Why? Because he's seen the patterns. And if you're observant, you can see, okay, you can see stress from a mile. You can see anxiety. You can see despair. And to soon, everyone may have a different story, but you can see it's there nonetheless. And so can God. And he can say, rat race, rat race, rat race, rat race. They're involved in the rat race. They're caught in the tunnel and they can't get out. They're on the wheel. True. And the rat race is what kills us. And tires us out and wearies us. And that's why people lose hope. That's why people commit suicide. That's why people get sick. Because they can't find a way out the maze. These are good people. Get caught. Pursuing the things of the pagans. Yeah? Now, the Bible tells us this. Between lack and need, there's a bridge. And the bridge is called enough. I can be in lack, but I can learn to live in a place called enough. I can be in, I can have needs and learn to be in a place called enough. And we talked about this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to what Paul says. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. 
I know what it is. Everyone say, I know. Because he's been there. He's experienced it. He's been the rat in the race. So, when you're running your race, make sure you're not the rat. Because if you're running a good race, you can't be a rat. You've got to be a kingdom believer. Because it's a good race. But if you're a rat, you'll get caught up <coughs> Excuse me, in the wrong kind of race. But he says, I know what it is to have lived with lack and need. Hmm. Okay, Paul, keep talking. Lean in now, folks. Lean in. Because he's telling you, I've been on both sides of the fence. So lean in. Okay, Paul, what do you want to share with me then? Give me some wisdom here. Give me some insight into how I can get from these two places. So he says, I've learned the secret of being content. Now he says it's a secret, but it's not a secret anymore because he's going to reveal to you. What was kept hidden for time and generations is now being revealed. So he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And the church, it means to you and your life and your situation. Hear from the man who's been where you've not. Or maybe you have been there. He says, I've learned to be content in every situation. In every situation. Not some, not a few. In every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now that verse is often uh, misused, misquoted. Listen to the context. I've been in need, I've been in want, I've been in doubt, I've been in lack. But now, because I'm in the place of enough sufficiency, I can do all things. This is the springboard... Into launching you into all things. You can't do all things if you've still got lack and need gnawing on the inside of you and pulling at you in different ways. We didn't say ignore that lack. We didn't say ignore the need. We said operating from this place. Because to some measure you'll always have these two things going on in your life. But these cannot be the determining factor because when is enough enough? When the peace of God Reigns in your heart. When the peace of God reigns in your heart, when I still am a thousand pounds short, when I'm still driving my humble. You know, if I turn up to some conferences in my little humble, they're going to look at me and think, oh, this pastor's got nothing to say. Good. That's their issue, not mine. My stature's not changing one way or the other. I say, how do you get there? Oh, you got here by MasterCard. <laughs> I put my own gas in. It gets me here. So, mine's not Visa, it's called Vauxhall. <laughs> well, Volkswagen should say, not Vauxhall. So we need a position in life. It's calling off. Yeah. Paul said, I've learned. <coughs> I've chased. I've pursued. I've strived. I've been anxious. Yeah. I've even had fear of death. But I've realized, I've realized the secret of doing all things for God. Why? It's been operating from the place of content. And that's where you and Kim's going to come into. The place of content in this transition. I know what it is 
to be in need. Anybody know what it is to be in need? I just wish we were as maybe open to the fact that we have lack. Emotional, psychological, physiological, biological. That's why you've got to keep coming to the mirror. Seeking first the kingdom and its righteousness and its righteousness and its righteousness and its righteousness. Don't separate the two. Be in church while I'm in the kingdom church. Don't be in the kingdom church. Let the kingdom be in you. Amen. Then you're in the kingdom church. Even if you're not in the kingdom church, you've still got the kingdom in you. I don't know what a kingdom church looks like. But I know what the kingdom inside a believer looks like. Like I say, don't come to church. Bring church with you. See, I'm a shepherd. Now, Pastor Lonnie last week told us about dumb sheep. And all week, the man's been transfixed on sheep. And this repertoire of his analogies and illustrations and metaphors of sheep is growing exponentially. He said, look at them. That's all they do. Yep, that's why they're sheep. That's why they're dumb. They're always eating. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Some people smoke grass, sheep eat it. I say some people, not you. So, a good shepherd, if he's going to be a good shepherd, he's got to observe his sheep. Is that fair to say? Are you sure about that? Okay. And this is where sometimes you can observe people uh, by the patterns of behavior. I don't have to have a conversation to know how you're feeling. Sometimes you walk in, your face is dragging behind you. Well, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing this morning. I can see. You can see it. Some people bring their face to church. We do. We all do it. We all, you know, don't talk to me. I'm closed. Body language. So, some of us are not content this morning. Oh, you praised well this morning. You really did. It was a great atmosphere, by the way. And you gave, you gave your heart. But some of us are not living with contentment. There's issues inside our hearts. And um, you don't li- necessarily live in a place called harmony and peace and unity right now. I'm just letting you know God sees it. God sees it. And you know it and I know it because God shows me. I'm not saying I'm the all I, all seeing I. But what I'm saying is I'm a shepherd. I observe. I'm having a conversation, I can see some from across the, the church, and I can pick up straight away the radar set to people. Why? Because I've got to be a good shepherd. I've got to be a watchman. When you're, when you're killing yourself all week and the pastor's praying for you, thank God that God's laid it on the pastor's heart to pray for you. And maybe others as well. Because we're not the only ones who see and pick up things. And good perception, that's one thing I like about Emma. That's why she makes a good uh, leader on our team because she perceives and she tracks me. And that's good. You want perceptive people who pick up the same concerns of the pastor. Don't necessarily carry them, but they can learn to pray with them because my concerns are not hers. But if she picks it up, she can pray about it in the spirit. And then two is better than one. And they have a good return for their labor. So thank God, two-thirds of the Trinity is praying for you right now. Yes. Wow. Boy, you must be in a mess. 
<laughs> we must be in a mess if two-thirds of the Trinity is praying for us. So when the Holy Spirit shows us, we partner with that Trinity. And we pray and push these things out of our territory. Amen? Some of us, some of you, I should say, go to work, but you're not content in the job you have. I said you're not content in the job you have. Why? Because you, in your opinion, you don't earn enough. You're worth more. And you might be. But right now, maybe your attitude might need adjusting. Your timekeeping might need adjusting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are worth more. But right now, there's lack inside of you and your behavior might need adjusting. So other people see the potential, but there's a timing. And God will not promote you beyond the level of incompetence. So don't let your boss... Some of you are in the workplace right now, but you've not, you've not yet fully understood that this is God's vocation for your life. So you're in the right place, at the right time, with the right people, doing the right things, but you've not yet got the right results, so something needs adjusting. And if you can see this and recognize this, don't keep saying it's her fault, it's their fault. Go to the mirror and let the Lord speak and say, Father, show me my own heart. Show me my own heart in this place. I know I'm here and I'm doing the right thing. Show me, Father, what must change in me? Your boss may be a pain. You'll always have bosses with pains. That's the bomb with it. But the issue is, don't use your boss as an excuse for you not changing. You have to learn God will use the boss... As a, just like he did with Paul in prison, just like he did with Joseph, prison can be a good place. Yeah. I'm talking about emotional, psychological prisons. Amen? It can be a good place. Some, some think yourself as unimportant, unworthy and undeserving. And the Father says it's not true. The Father loves you. The Father delights in you. He watches over you. Change it. You are a child of God. He split the waters. We, we, read, we, we sang it this morning. He split the waters so I could walk right through it. Yeah. This is lack. This is lack. If God gave you all the money you need in the world, it still would not compensate for that unworthiness that you feel inside, that un, you, the undeserving um, attitude that you may have. Sam... Irrespective of what God does or what God says, you have become so tramlined in your thinking that you will never change. And God says, if I have to rip up the tracks, I'm well able to do it. But if your heart is so hard, I'll leave you. I'll leave you to your own pride. Believe me, I've been on that track. And all that track ever brought me was pain and hardship. Some have become weary and disappointed and disillusioned in life and can't see the need to keep on moving in your faith. You know, when you get to a certain age of life, certain things become to be preeminent, like significance. You want your life to have counted for something. You've worked hard, you've served others, and now you get to a stage in your life when you just want to be appreciated for what you've done. You want your life to count for something. God says, you're still alive, aren't you? Keep seeking me. Keep seeking me. Your days are not over. 
Keep moving. Martin Luther's was showing that video that time. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. The moment you stop, you're in trouble. Irrespective of lack, watch this now. I've got to bring this thing in. Irrespective of lack and need, we all want to get to that place calling off. But right now, I've got nothing here. I've got nothing here. I feel the cupboard's empty. I'm barren. But you've got two things. God has given you two things to enable you to make the journey. Do you know what it is? I ask you, do you know what it is? Write it down now. It's called seed and grace. I'm going to show you how these two things work very quickly. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Keep in mind the principle of the law of first. The kingdom and its righteousness. All these things must work for the benefit and for the extension of the kingdom and its righteousness in you. Okay? Amen? Amen. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Remember this. So he's making a point. He's bringing another emphasis to our life. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap. Okay. So we got, we got some technology of here of how to overcome some lack and need. We've got seed and we've got grace. Watch, watch this. Each man, each woman should give what he has decided in his heart. Well, I haven't got anything. Well, you've got something. So the key to this is what you're going to sow. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly. There's an attitude issue. Or under compulsion. So just because the preacher says, he says it, doesn't mean to say it's necessarily true if you feel under compulsion. He says, this is a heart, it's a heart issue. issue, an attitude. Thank you, Chris. Don't give reluctantly and don't give under compulsion, but give. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So there's a different attitude now. And he's not saying reluctantly and, and compulsion are excuses not to give. And God is able to make all grace. Wow. The grace that you don't have and don't feel you have, God is able to supply grace. We're going to talk in the days about grace. Because God's been speaking to me a lot about the grace of how it can empower the people of God to rise and beyond all limitations. For God, so, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things... At all times. Having all that you need. Wow. And you will abound in every good work. So your lack and your need do not become the excuse as to why you cannot progress. But you must deal with the areas. But when you understand the seed that I have and how I use the seed... This is the determining factor. <coughs> Can you see this? As it is written, he has scattered abroad the gifts to the poor. 
His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower. Who supplies seed? God. Right now, I'm giving you seed this morning. As I'm speaking, God has given me seed to give to you. Amen? I'm just a supplier this morning. So God comes. He, he's, the, he's the manufacturer. I'm the warehouse. I'm the distribution center. And now I'm distributing it to you this morning, to those who have an ear. So God is able to give the seed. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now here's a key. Watch this. Seed for the sower and bread for food. Will also supply and increase your, your store seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Now, watch this, because this is key. You'll be made rich in every way and you can be ge- so you can be generous on every occasion. Amen. Wow. This is definitely, this is an upgrade that we cannot afford to miss. This is not just an update, this is an upgrade. If we can allow the update to upgrade us, wow. Watch this. You'll be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, generosity will then result in thanksgiving to God. The service you perform is only supplying the needs of God's people. It's not only supplying the needs of God's people. It's not only supplying the needs of God's people. But it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So this seed that we give this morning is not only supplying the needs of the people, but it'll overflow and give thanks to God. Beyond you, if you capture this principle. So what is the principle? Let me tell you. A man sows a seed into his wife. It produces a what? A baby. A man sows his seed into a woman. She fertilizes. They produce a baby. But that's not the full story, is it? No, no, it's not. Because he doesn't just sow his seed once. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's, let's look at it. The baby's born, but the child must be raised. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. A child is only one level. A son is another level. Unto us, a son is given. A child is given. Right. So you use biological seed to sow to make that child. But it's going to need other seed to raise. You get this? So the child now begins to, to develop and grow. So now, what, what seed do they use? They use, watch, patterns, principles, and protocol. You raise the child by the three Ps. Patterns. I don't want it to have the, the pattern that my father had or mother had because that pattern may have been wayward. So I want it to have the kingdom pattern. The kingdom and its righteousness. So I want to put the seed of the kingdom into my children. So it has patterns. Now it has principles. Now it has protocols. So there's a behavior. If I get these three wrong, who's going to be their pattern? The world. Because I'm protecting the kingdom seed and its righteousness in my lineage. I've got to put the three Ps... In fact, if you go next door, there's 25 Ps. 
You'll see it on the wall in the cafe. 25 P's of the Christian life. Oh, really? Oh, really? <coughs> so now he raises a child. He now puts seeds of love. He now puts seeds of affirmation. He now puts seeds of identification, identity into the child. Why? Because the baby's not enough. We've got to raise a child. We've got to... And then listen, the child becomes a boy. It's still not enough. Why? Because the boy has not yet become a man. So when does this finish? When he gets married and he hands her over. It's now your responsibility. You carry on the lineage and you carry on the legacy. I did my part. I protected the seed. I protected the seed. And guess what? Even as a father, you still never stop sowing seed into your children. My son can be 50 odd and I'm still going to give him wisdom. And I'm still going to tell him off. Why? Because he'll always be mine. Now you do it and you find different ways of doing it. But he's always going to be my son. Or sons or daughter. So. Each man must decide. Each man must decide to give. Each man must decide to sow. What we're going to sow. What seed do you have? Well, I have lack and I have need. Right, but what's, that's not the question. Thank you for the update. But what seed do you have? I'm going to sow the seed I have. And calling his disciples together, he says, I tell you the truth in Mark 12, 43. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasure than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything all she had. How much did she put in? All. She pockets were empty. She gave it all. That's the seed you've got to put in. You're all. You want a kingdom to manifest within you and its righteousness, you've got to put all in. Not a part of you. All has got to go in. So that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, here's the problem. If all you're interested is bread, all you will ever do is become a consumer, and all you'll ever do is be in constant need. Oh, yeah. There's two people. There's the bread and the seed. The bread is the consumer. The seed is the contributor. He contributes by his seed. But the bread just says, give me the feet. And all he's interested in is today, his need, his need. I lack my need. Give me bread, give me bread, give me bread. And tomorrow, he has now become codependent upon somebody supplying bread. So God's never going to be able to get him beyond that unless this man, this woman gets a new revelation. If you just devour bread every day of your life, spiritually speaking, all you'll ever look for is bread. That's the sheep. I look for me grass every day. I walk 100 yards, grass. 100 yards, grass. Head down. Why? Because he's self-consumed. Oh, well, there's something. He's self-consumed on his own bread. But the moment you carry seed, your head looks up and it looks for others and soil to sow into. You don't put seed just in the ground without looking and surveying. 
So you lack and you need. You'll never move beyond lack and need. Because you never use the seed that you've got to get you out into the place called enough. It's a harvest of righteousness. What's the kingdom? Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. God's given us a key to produce the righteousness needed for the kingdom. And it's through the seed. But it's going to manifest through your lack and your need. And if you don't grab this, you're going to live perpetually in between two places. Lack and need, lack and need, lack and need. Oh, this is good. So, when I see a seed carrying believer, there's good evidence there's a kingdom inside them. Hardships. How many of you have any hardships? Yeah. My Lord. Okay, we've got, I've got more than I, we've got time for, so let's, let me just read you Matthew 6 again. So don't worry. We started off with a, a perk-me-up kind of, draw-you-in kind of emphasis. Don't worry. Don't worry, John. Yeah. So you don't have enough. Yeah. Is that going to contain you? Is that going to kill you? No. 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 Because we've just discovered there's a way through. We're going to find enough. Yeah. yeah, but I wanted to buy that house. Well, that's okay. There's other ways. There's other principles. Let's let the seed do the work. Where you put the seed will determine what comes out of the ground. How you use the seed. First of all, you're not the owner. You're the steward. There's the first. Let's get the elephant out of the room. It's not your money. So I went to work for it. I don't care. It's not your money. You're just the steward. And if you think like that, then seed can be given. But if you're the owner, it's never going anywhere. And you'll always, ever, you'll always remain between lack and need. Yeah? So don't worry. Saying, so there's a confession with your worry. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? What shall we drive? What shall we live in? Where shall we live? What kind of house shall we live in? What college do we send our kids to? What kind of university? Be careful what you say. Because for all the pagans run after all these things. And it's not the pattern your father has for you. I don't want to be a pagan. I don't want to bring anxiety, stress, and turmoil to my life. I want to give God the opportunity to show himself as a father in my life. My father will make sure I have all that I need according to his perception, not mine. For the kingdom of God. Your heavenly father knows what you need. But seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry. Woo. Don't worry. So don't worry. Don't worry. He says it twice. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough issues of its own. What do we call tomorrow? Tomorrow. But it's what you think about today will determine what kind of tomorrow you're going to have. 
So let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. <clears throat> I will pick up on this because the seed is the issue. We have too many bread consumers in the church today and not enough seed sowers. It's the man, the woman, the family, the couple who can sow their seed that will produce a harvest of righteousness. So that this grace will cause you to abound in every good work. The grace and the seed work together. I'll show you how the grace works next week. Or next time I speak, should say. I'll show you this grace message. We're moving beyond saving grace. I'm going to show you how grace enables us empowers us to break into new territories and regions. Amen? Amen. The grace of God has to be understood so it can be operated in. Amen? I see great men, I see men carry great grace on their life. And every great grace I see, there's seed. And the seed and the grace enables the territory to enlarge and open. And they work with these two dimensions. Amen? So raise your holy hands if you will. Father, I ask you, O oh God, to protect the seed that has been sown this morning. The word tells us, O oh God, that the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. And he comes to steal the seed when it's not sown into good soil. And it's the worries of life that choke the seed. The very thing you've just told us not to do, worry, is the very manifestation that eventually manifests in the life of a believer because of worry and doubt and fear. So, Father, we arrest fear right now in the name of Jesus. I tell you, people, do not worry. Do not worry. Worry doesn't solve anything. Take responsibility? Absolutely. But worry will not fix your bills. Responsibility takes care of your bills. And duty and obligation. Worry will never pay a bill. But responsibility, based on principles, protocols and patterns, will deal with the lack and the need in your life. So Father, right now I pray, sustain us, O God, by your right hand. Sustain us by your word. Father, let your word manifest in our lives this morning, O oh God. Oh, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, let your kingdom and its righteousness manifest in the lives of your people here this morning. Oh, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus. There is no other name. You are the name. You've given us your name. And Father, by that name, I ask you, O oh God, to protect your people, O oh God. Arrest, lack, arrest, need, oh God. Show them, show your people, oh God, the value of what we've been talking about here today. Father, let the Holy Spirit come and confirm it in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation. <laughs> Woo! It's been a good day in the house, people. Amen. Amen.